reading today is found in the book of John. It's chapter 8, and we're going to be reading from verses 12 through to verse 30. So if you want to follow along on the screen or with um, your Bible, this is God's word. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, You are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, Even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going. But you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it is it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law, it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury, as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. So he said to them again, I am going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself since he says, where I am going, you cannot come. He said to them, you're from below. I am from above. You're of this world, and I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So they said to him, Who are you? Jesus said to them, Just what I have been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and much to judge. But he who sent me is true. And I declare to the world what I have heard from him. They did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then, <laughs> when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing of my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me, and he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. And he was saying these things, as he was saying these things, many believed in him. Okay, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for this opportunity once again to gather as your people. Father, to gather to worship you and to hear your word. Father, I just pray over this scripture this morning and pray, Lord, that the Holy Spirit would just um, give us revelation in our hearts. Father, that um, you would anoint John now with your spirit and Father, that he would be able to communicate a clear message this morning. And Lord, we just thank you for the gift of your word, that it is true. And Father, that as, as Jane spoke to us um, through the kids' teaching, that Jesus is the light of the world. And that, Lord, through him and his kingdom, that can push back the darkness. So, Father, I pray that even though it's summer, that we would not slumber, but, Lord, we would remain on mission. And even as we maybe go and stay in other places, that, Father, we would... Just be in step with your spirit and Lord, there are people all around us broken and 
and helpless people. And Lord, that we know the truth and the truth can set them free. So I just pray, Father, for um, the rest of the summer, Father, that you would just bear fruit through us. And um, Lord, that this church would just remain at the forefront of what you would have for us. So God, I just pray blessing over this morning's gathering. I pray for the tiny stones, Lord, that little seeds would be planted in their hearts and that all the children here at Cornerstone would grow to have a love of Jesus, Father. So we just thank you, Lord, and pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Steph. Uh, Levi was loving mum up there reading. Either that or he was thinking, why on earth did you leave me with him? It's one of the other men. Morning, everyone. How are we? I hope we're well. Uh, This is my last Sunday for a wee while. I am off from today. Uh, The lineup over the next few weeks is very, very good, I have to say. Uh, You'd be glad to know. Alan Wilson will be joining you for two weeks. And then uh, Alan Wilson, then Robbo is coming. Steve Robinson's coming over to spend some time uh, over here, and he will be preaching. And then the final week is the uh, the ultimate uh, week where. Pete Meek will be sharing with us. So that's all something to look forward to on the 8th. Ben's just going to break into applause there for that. That was, yeah. I'm back for that. That'll be good. I'm looking forward to that. No pressure at all. But, uh, yep, today we're in John. Uh, We're taking a break from John, and those guys are doing uh, whatever the Lord has put in their heart to do. But today we're in John, and I want to begin with uh, a question for us this morning. I want some interaction on this question. I want some answers. Uh, which holiday time do you like the most? Which holiday season do you like the most? Right, go. Which one? Because we all have an opinion on this. Christmas. Ben Graham's Christmas, right? That's a, that is a fairly popular answer. Does anyone, would anyone rather have the summer holidays over Christmas? No, nope, Mags, right, okay. Marcus is shaking his head. He doesn't know which one. So there, there's, there's, there isn't a, there's a difference of opinion. I would say my answer is always the next one. Whatever is next is my favorite holiday. So that's tomorrow. That's my favorite one because I'm looking forward to it, looking forward to being off. There's much, that's a contentious question. And we take ourselves back into the context of John chapter 8. It was a contentious question then as well. The Jews had different holiday seasons, one of which we find ourselves in as we've traveled through, right through now from, from uh, John 7, right through into now the, near the end of John 8, we find ourselves in this holiday season of what? Again, that's not a... That's, that's, what's going on here? What's the context? If you've been with us at all over the last few weeks, you will know the context. What's happening here in John 7 and 8, the feast of... Right, okay. Shasta, so... Right, wait, come on. You with me this morning at all? This is the Feast of Booths. The Feast of Booths. One of the most joyous celebrations in the Jewish calendar, a holiday season. And there was much debate over, was that the best holiday or was there another best holiday? But this is what one Jewish historian has said about the Feast of Booths. If you have not seen Jerusalem at the Feast of Booths, you have not seen joy. If you have not seen Jerusalem at the Feast of Booths, you have not seen joy. That's a massive statement to make. And this is a huge celebration. I just don't think we can put ourselves in an equivalence. We don't really have one. And so this is a huge celebration of what God has done for his people. Remember, Jerusalem would 
quadruple in size of, of, of people. There would be such a large crowd there. What they're remembering, of course, is what God had done for them in the wilderness. He brought them through the wilderness experience, delivered them to the promised land. And this is a hugely joyous occasion. There was a tradition that grew up around the Feast of Booths, and it was this. Uh, I'm not going to make the equivalence between some of what happened last night in our land and some of what will happen tonight in our land. But there was a tradition that grew up, and it was this, that four candles were set up in the Temple of Jerusalem. Four candles. Now, these candles were no ordinary candles. These candles, it was said, were 75 feet tall. 75 feet tall candles. I don't know. Mark Ingram would be able to give me a, a judge on 75 feet. Is that bigger than this room? T- taller than this room? You serious? My word. I was, that's, how, that's how far I was off. Because I was thinking, ah, oh, it's probably about the size of the market. Or the young farmers. 75 feet. Four 75 feet candles were put in the temple of Jerusalem and lit over the Feast of Booths. It said, these candles, when they were lit, there wasn't a courtyard in Jerusalem that wasn't lit by the light of one of these torches. And it's into that context. So you have all these little minutiae of detail around the Feast of Booths, and we saw how Jesus has linked them in so far. And it's into that context, into this tradition that grew up, these 75 feet candles in the, in the temple that would sh- shine out over all of Jerusalem, light up all of Jerusalem. Jesus steps up and says, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. I am the one that brings light. And you see how he's tying all of this together, every single thing, every element of this feast, he is bringing it back to himself. And for John, the writer of this gospel, the word light, this word light, he seems to love this word light. You read it in the gospel of John, we we see words like uh, light, fullness, life over and over again. John, John seems to love these words which describe Jesus. You find this imagery not just in John's gospel, but you find it all over the Bible, in fact, this this imagery of light. In the Psalms, God's word is frequently said to give light, to give illustration, illumination, to give wisdom, to help us when we don't know where we're going in our darkness. Psalm 119, 105, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. In your light we see. We get to Christmas. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. That's a direct quote from Isaiah chapter 9. But right before that in Isaiah chapter 9, God says this, the people who walked in darkness have what? Seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them a light has shined. Light is inextricably linked to God in Scripture. It is associated with His very being. We're told a few different things, a lot of different things about who God is in Scripture, but 
But, and let me go through some of them. God is love, 1, 1 John 4. God is spirit, John 4. God is a consuming fire, Hebrews. But John tells us in, John, in, in 1 John 1, 5 that God is light. God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. His very nature is light. 1 Timothy 6, God dwells in unapproachable light. James 1.17 gives the title that he is the father of lights. And so we see this imagery of God being light all over Scripture. And Jesus steps up here at the end of the Feast of Booths again and says, I am the light. I am the light of the world. What's he saying? What's he reiterating again? That he is God. He is God. He is making this claim on repeat to the Jewish people, I am God. And Jesus, this light has come in to the world to be with us in the darkness. I want you to think for a second again just what that, the Feast of Booze meant for the Jewish people. It was a sort of celebration of, of not just what God had done in the wilderness, but, but a, like a harvest celebration as well. And so the crops are in, the work's done. You're with your family, you're resting, you are celebrating. You're there, you're singing. There's, there's some uh, stories that would, would say around Jerusalem at this time that people would sing well into the early hours of the morning and they would carry these torches around to show this light again that God had provided for them in the wilderness. Your heart is happy. And then Jesus gets up and says, I am the light of the world. He is claiming that he has come into the world to bring light, to be with us, to be the very presence of God amongst us. And there's a beautiful just glory in the incarnation in this, this, this part of the text. God is with us. Jesus is claiming to be God. He is claiming to be light. He is claiming that he has come into the world to meet us in our darkness. There's glory in the incarnation. And it's important for us to hear this. It's important for us, for our hearts to hear the fact that God loves us so much that he has stepped into the darkness. Because the reality is the world is dark. There is darkness, deep, deep darkness all around us. And what we long for as human beings, there's something intrinsically in the human heart that longs for light. We walk in darkness and scripture tells us that we love the darkness, but there's a longing for light. There's a longing for light to break through. We dream of the day when the darkness is gone. And maybe this is you this morning. Maybe you're in a, in a moment this morning of, of, of real darkness. The darkness of the world has pervaded your life so much that, that it's almost crippling. And I want to say to you this morning that, that no matter how dark the darkness seems to be, no matter how deep the darkness seems to get, 
Jesus has said that the light shines in the darkness. He has come into the darkness to be with us in it. What does that mean for us? What does that mean when we feel this darkness all around us, when we feel it pervading our lives, when we feel that it's crippling, when we feel that it's overwhelming? What does it mean? It means this, we're not alone. And sometimes we feel alone. Sometimes we feel even though we are in families, sometimes even though that we have friends, sometimes that we even we be in this gathering this morning, we feel alone. And Jesus says, we're not. He's with us. Emmanuel, God with us. The light has come into the world to be with us. The light means we're not abandoned. We're not. You're not alone in the struggle. Some may be struggling with illness of any sort. Some in here this morning may feel that our families, your families, are hanging together by a thread. Some may feel that your job, vocation, career is hanging by a thread. In a world at the moment that seems to be just on a knife edge, we feel this darkness. And Jesus reminds us in John 8 that he has come into the world. The light has come into the world to be with us. We're not alone. You're not alone. You're not alone. So the light has come into the world. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but you will have the light of life. And there's no doubt, there is no doubt that the good, part of the good news of the gospel is the very simple fact that Emmanuel, God, has come to be with us. There's no doubt about that. That is good news. But it's not the only good news of the gospel. It is not, there is more to it than that. Because it's not good news if Jesus only comes and meets us in our darkness. Because that doesn't help us. That doesn't help us get out of the darkness. The second thing Jesus promises here in these verses is that Christ pierces through the darkness, goes through the darkness, our natural darkness, the deep darkness that's in our hearts, to, de to deliver us out of darkness. Not only does he come and meet us in the darkness, be with us in the darkness, but he delivers us then out of the darkness. We know the world is a dark place. You know that, I know that. Like, we can, we can be honest about that this morning, that the world is a dark, dark place. And we all know what to be so. But I want to ask us a question. Do we realize just this morning how deep the darkness is within ourselves? Because we can look outside of ourselves all the time and be like, out there is so dark. The world is a dark place. 
Look at the poverty that exists in the world. Look at the abuse that exists in the world. Look at all the things that are going wrong with the world. The world is such a dark place. But I wonder, do we ever actually look into the recesses of our own hearts and see the darkness that exists? There's evidence all around us for the world's darkness, yes, but we are, are we aware of the darkness in our own soul? Our natural condition is what? The Bible tells us our natural condition is to what? Walk in darkness. And there's no way, sorry to disappoint you, there is no way that you can self-discipline or self-motivate or self-help your way out of that darkness. There's just not. Our natural condition is to walk in darkness. We love the darkness. But John chapter 1 says, the true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. John 6, when we talked about the bread of life, we look back at, at what the prophet said. We said, we love to spend money that w- on which is not bread and labor which is not work. And what he was saying is there, we love the darkness. We love to do things that do not provide or do not help or do not, we love the darkness. And Jesus is the one, the only one, who delivers people out of their own darkness. Now, once we do a bit of self-examination and we actually realize that there's still darkness there within us, because I ask this all the time and you, you answer appropriately because you know it's the right answer. Like, you may be following Jesus right now, but there's a contradiction there. You may be following Jesus, but you know in your own heart that there's darkness. You know that there's times when you say things you shouldn't say and you think things you shouldn't think and you do things you shouldn't do. We know that there is this contradiction in us, yeah? Just so that we're all on the same page. There is. If you say there's not, you're you're fooling yourself. And we all can see that the, the past darkness, if we're following Jesus, this is, we can all see the past darkness that we've been delivered out of. We can all look back and say, yes, there was a point in my life where I began to follow Jesus. And from that point, uh, things have, have improved somewhat. We can see that. We can see the darkness that we, are, we're, that we were heading towards. We've been delivered out of that. We've been saved from that. We can see that. That's clear. But the reality is there are dark corners, dark recesses of our own hearts now that still exist. There's a contradiction in us all. We still love the darkness. What do we do with that? What do you do with that? Because for me, and I can only be honest with myself and and with you about myself, when I see those contradictions, when, when I look at myself and I see the fact here I am and I say I'm following Jesus and I say I'm loving God with, I'm trying to love God with all my heart, my soul, my strength and I love my neighbor as myself but, but this is the way I act. And this is the way I think. And this is what I do. 
and the two don't add up. Often. Often. What do we do with that? And how does John 8 help us in that? Well, John 8 helps us in that, that it says this. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. In other words, there is a, there is a transformation, a newness, a, an ongoing change. But more importantly than that, more importantly than that, and this is the crucial part of this verse, and this is what will help you most, I think. This is what will help me most, I think. There will be a day promised. Jesus is promising a day here that will come where we will not be lovers of darkness, where we will not be enslaved to darkness, but we will walk in the glorious light. And unfortunately, folks, that day won't fully be realized until we close our eyes in death and we are with the Lord Jesus. But you're not destined for this battle, this sin, this contradiction for eternity. One day it will go. Praise Jesus. And you may struggle through this life with that contradiction. And it may ease at times. And it may be better at other times. And it may be worse at times. But there will be a day that Jesus promises us, you will not walk in darkness. But you are destined to walk in light. And that's good news. That's good news. And again, I don't know what you've come in here this morning with. I don't know what darkness is pervading in your life right now. I don't know what you're struggling with. I don't know what darkness you're looking at in your own heart and you're finding it very difficult to deal with. The reality is in this room, there could be addictions. There, there, there all, there, there's 100% mental health issues. There is, I can guarantee you now, 100%. There is family issues. There are almost certainly career issues. There are almost certainly financial issues. There are almost certainly people in this room who, who are parents who are struggling with their kids. I'm saying these things, I can say, when I say 100% guarantee that, that's because it's me. And I'm in this room. We're all in here this morning, and we're all the, the pressures of life are on us. That's just the reality. The reality. And, and I hate to be like doom and gloom this morning, but those aren't going away. They're not. I would love to. I would love genuinely, and I'm, I'm not picking on Davy and Jenny here, but but Davy and Jenny are slightly further down the line than me. Just let's just. I'll put it like that. Is that nice? Is that kind? That's not good. They're slightly down the line, and I would say at my age, at 41, they thought things were going to, you know, maybe if they got to 45 or, or maybe a wee bit older, things would get better, and they wouldn't be as less stressed, and they wouldn't be as worried, and blah blah blah. And I guarantee you, right now, yes, I'm getting nods. It doesn't get any easier. It just changes. 
doesn't get any easier. It just changes. And so into that context, into that knowing that, Jesus' words is that we're not destined to walk in darkness forever is good news. And that's a promise that he gives. And as Jane said in her kids' talk, promises Jesus gives, Jesus fulfills. You're not destined to walk in this, this darkness for eternity. If you belong to Jesus, if you belong to Jesus, nothing, nothing can take away the light of Christ for you. Nothing. It is guaranteed. Nothing can take it away. So, we see this word light over and over again. It, it describes God. Jesus is clearly identifying himself as God. He's done that on repeat throughout John. We need to hear that. We need to hear that he is the light. We need to know that we're not always destined to walk in the darkness that we're facing right now. There will be an end. But then, there's also a call in this passage, in these couple of verses. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. There's also a call here in these verses, and I don't know if you saw it, but, but this is the call of the Christian life. We are to bear witness about the light. Not only are we to know that the light has come into the world and for us and is with us, Emmanuel, God with us, he's with us. Not only do we know that, but we know that he is going to deliver us out of darkness into light eventually. We're not destined to walk in light forever. But whilst we're here on earth, we are to bear witness about that light. We're to bear witness about that light. Matthew 5, if you're, if Jesus says, he talks about light of the world again. But what does he say about the light of the world in, in Matthew 5? He looks at his disciples and he says, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. And the crazy thing about this, John, John chapter 12 says, you are sons and daughters of light. Paul in Ephesians 5, you are the light in the world. The Apostle John says in John 1, you are not, you are not the light, uh, you're not the light, but bear witness about the light. So there's, there's a very logical progression here. Jesus, light of the world, comes into the world, into the darkness, to be with us in the darkness, says, I'm not just going to be with you in the darkness, but I'm going to deliver you out of the darkness. And then what? You are to be the light of the world. You are not the light, but you are to reflect my light to the world. That's our jobs. That's our call. That's the call on us. And some of us can hear that and, and hear that that is that pressure pressure. Uh, 
I don't like that just can be crushing sometimes because then the weight is on me and, and, and I don't know if I can do that. And I, when I'm talking about all those contradictions that we see in our lives, when, when we bear those contradictions out in the lives of others, well then, I'm not a very good light. And so what, how does this work? The crucial part about this is this. In John 1, you are not the light but you bear witness about the light. You show Jesus. You point to Jesus. You point away from yourselves to Jesus. He's the light of the world. And so, even in our sin, even in our contradictions, even when we look at ourselves and think, my actions, my thoughts, my words don't add up with what I say. You know, I follow Jesus. They don't add up. Even in that moment, think about that in a, in a family moment when I snap at the kids and don't particularly match my, my actions to what I, what I say I believe. What a moment to be able to say, listen, kids, I'm not the light of the world. But I know who he is. And I am flawed. And I do fail. But let me show you Jesus. Who doesn't. Who's perfect. Who doesn't snap. Who doesn't lose his temper. Who is perfectly patient and kind. All the time. That is pointing away from ourselves. And pointing to the light. There's two things, that, two mentalities that we can have sometimes. One is uh, we can't shine the light of Christ through us because we're too busy trying to shine our own light. Now, if you're great and you're brilliant and you're perfect and you get everything right and you know everything, it doesn't leave much room for Christ. If that, if, you, know, you know what I'm saying? How, how are people supposed to see Christ in you? If, if, if you've got all the answers, if you know how it's done, if, if, if you get it all right all the time, how are, how are people supposed to see Jesus? And then there's the opposite mentality. Of, oh, I'm just not good enough. I'm just awful. I'm just terrible. Blah, blah, blah. And leave it there. How are, how are people supposed to see Jesus then, either? The middle road is usually the best road. I'm awful. Here's Jesus. I'm awful. Here's Jesus. He's awesome. He's perfect. You are not the light, but you bear witness about the light. Jesus says in these verses, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Let me just finish with a question. What line are you walking 
honest assessment. Are you walking the line of, I'm brilliant and Jesus doesn't really, like, there's not much room for Jesus? Or are you walking the line of, I'm awful and I'll remain awful and everything's awful? Or are we walking the middle line? I'm awful. Jesus is beautiful. Perfect. Holy. Unbelievably good. The good news of the gospel is that. It's that. It's as simple as that. The good news of the gospel is that. We're awful. Jesus is awesome. And then someday, one day, one day, he's going to deliver us out of that. We're going to be with him. And we're going to live in his glorious light eternally. Where all the worries, all the fears, all the anxieties, all the dreads, will be gone. Praise God for Jesus, the light of the world, who has come to be with him. Let me pray for us. Father, we just thank you so much that, that you are so good to us in giving us Jesus, the light of the world. Father, we pray that, that by the power of your Holy Spirit this morning, we would know that the sun, the light has come for us. Not to leave us here forever, not to leave us in the darkness, but that he will overcome the darkness and he will guarantee and has guaranteed that we will live in his marvelous light. Father, I pray that through the Spirit you'll help us. We need your help to point away from ourselves continually. We need your help to, to say, this is the reality of who I am, but, but Jesus is is doing something amazing. He is amazing. Help us do that, Lord. Help us. Help us to see the, the selfishness and the pride. Uh, the selfishness and the pride of both of those things that we talked about. The selfishness and the pride of, of being too good almost to let Jesus in and, and being too bad to let Jesus in. There's pride and there's selfishness in both Help us to repent of that and, and, and be witnesses to the light. Thank you for your goodness to us. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Uh, one of the, actually, one of the greatest ways that we, as a, as a family of God, as, a, as a, a people of God, bear witness about the light is through communion. Uh, Paul tells us that when we have communion together, that's what we're doing. We're proclaiming the gospel to one another. We are bearing witness about the light to one another. And so when we take communion, we're saying to one another, this is not the way it's always going to be. 
what Christ has accomplished for us and, and his, his body broken and his blood shed means that there is a day coming that we will leave this world where we will be with Jesus in his glorious light because of what he's done. And that's what we're doing. We are proclaiming, we are bearing witness about the gospel, about what Jesus has done for us. And so if you're a follower of Christ, please do that this morning. Take a moment. Reflect. Think about those contradictions that we talked about. Those areas of our lives that don't match up. Repent of them. Turn to Jesus in faith and and, and repent and ask for forgiveness for them then celebrate that forgiveness is secured in Christ for he is faithful and just when we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins so have communion if you're not a follower of Christ I lovingly ask that you don't take communion this morning it wouldn't make sense for you to do so Uh, you would be proclaiming something that you don't believe in and that just doesn't make sense so I lovingly ask you don't do that let's worship let's have communion let's bear witness to the light, to one another.